The Guardian. Hi, this is David Levithan, and I'm here with Josie to talk books. So it's been over 10 years since your first book, Boy Meets Boy, was published. How do you think the world of publishing has changed since then? Well, it's been sort of a remarkable decade, especially for YA, that it used to be that the assumption was that teenagers were reading YA and occasionally an adult now and then would. But in the past decade, it is both strong with teenagers, but also it's become a genre of its own for adults. And I think that's been amazing to see how wide-ranging the readership is. And because of that, I think particularly YA authors have been emboldened to do whatever really they want. I mean, to really push the boundaries. So if I go to my publisher and say, I'm going to write a book in musical form, they're like, that's great. Um, Or whatever. Marcus Uzak says, I'm going to write a Holocaust novel narrated by death. Sure, go for it. And I think that security and that sort of support for creativity, certainly it was there 10 years ago, but I think it's even bolder now than it's ever been. Because your books often feature LGBTQ characters and LGBTQ themes, was it a struggle to get published because 10 years ago it was different? Yeah, no, I think that certainly it was a different time with Boy Meets Boy when it came out, that there weren't that many teen LGBT books, and because of that, some people were nervous. Um, some people were afraid, quite frankly, about it more from the readership than from the publishers. The publishers, by and large, felt it was the right time, and luckily, Boy Meets Boy was part of a wave of other books like Geography Club and Rainbow Boys and Keeping a Secret. All these wonderful LGBT books came out about within a year of each other and sort of created this wave where it was okay to write about all of these stories. And there was controversy at first, especially when Boy Meets Boy came out here in the UK. But the Better Angels won and the people who were like, no, we really need to see these voices represented in our literature definitely won out. And and the the books have been really well supported ever since. Will Grayson, Will Grayson, which the character of Tiny Cooper was originally heard in, is a collaboration with John Green. So how did that work with you writing it with him? Did you write it together or did you both do your separate parts and then bring them as one whole at the end? Well, it it was a mixture of both. Um, It was really funny. I had had this idea about writing a book about boys with the same name because when I was in college, there was a boy named David Leventhal. My name is David Levithan, and we wouldn't be mistaken for each other all the time. The punchline to this joke is that David Leventhal is a great dancer. He danced um, with the Mark Morris Dance Group, which would perform here all the time. And so people would come up to me and be like, oh my God, David, you you seem so clumsy, but I, you were beautiful dancing last night. And I'd have to be like, yeah, that's because it wasn't me. So I always loved that idea of being mistaken for somebody else. And so John and I were friends, and I was just talking to him one day saying, oh, I have this idea, and it would be great to sort of write with another author to do two boys with the same name. And he was like, sign me up. Let's do this. So we chose, because we knew that the Will Graysons wouldn't meet until halfway through the book, we sort of chose the time and the place that they would meet. I will not give away where it is, but it is a very unusual place, as you know. And then what we did is we actually wrote our first chapters at the same time. So we got to invent our Will Grayson separately from each other. Then we came together and because 
John's wife Sarah was in the room, we decided to read them aloud to each other. And that ended up being what we did for every chapter that we wrote, that we'd write our chapters and then read them aloud to each other. And in John's first chapter, he started reading, and almost immediately the character of Tiny Cooper makes an appearance. And I, I still remember sitting there in his apartment thinking, oh, this is a character that I'm going to use in my chapters. Just you wait. So when you were writing Will Grayson, Will Grayson, did you already have the idea to write a book about Tiny Cooper or did it come to you later? Well, I think it, it came very shortly thereafter. I mean, as the writing of Will Grayson, Will Grayson progressed, it became very apparent that the climactic scene in the whole book was going to be the production of Hold Me Closer, the Tiny Cooper story that Tiny was working on in the book and that affected both of the Will Graysons in different ways. So I have been a frustrated musical writer in my novels since Boy Meets Boy, that there are lots of songs that end up in my novels. I can't write music, but I just love to write lyrics for songs and make up band names. What the big surprise was, was John was totally, totally in for it. So there were suddenly Tiny Cooper songs in some of his chapters too. So while we were touring for Will Grace and Will Grace, and that was when I said, you know what? We have maybe six or so songs in Will Grace and Will Grace, and we really need to see the full musical. And John said, well, that, that's great, but, but I think you should do that, David. I, I, and, and I did. I started while we were still on tour, and really with him being the only audience at first, and then going from there. I know Tiny Cooper first appeared in John Green's chapter, but did any of the things he does or any of his character traits come from people you know or yourself? I mean, I think certainly there is a Tiny Cooper inside of all of us, um, and certainly as much as I do not enjoy performing, and in fact, it could be argued, became a writer because I thought I don't have to ever be on a stage if I'm a writer, which is wrong, by the way. Um, but certainly there, there is an inner ham within me, and certainly Tiny's coming out process and being gay certainly is something that I can relate to very, very much. So I was drawing on that, but it's been fun. Even as we were touring for Will Grace and Will Grace, we would stop, and you'd look down the line, and you would see this very boisterous, very loud boy and we'd be like oh look tiny cooper's coming and i've certainly met a lot of tiny coopers since that book came out and which is great sometimes you need some patience to be with tiny coopers but usually they're lovely people when did you start writing like was it a long time before you got published or how many attempts did you have at writing books before you did finally get published I mean, I, I started to sort of write when I was a little kid. I mean, I always talk about, I wrote a, a story when I was 10 years old um, for my third grade class, and I remember picking just the right words and being very proud of the words that I had chosen. And I always date my time as a writer to being, to that story, to being like, oh, actually choosing words matters. But as far as sort of being a published writer, I, I certainly mostly wrote for my friends. Um, I would write a Valentine's Day story for my friends every year, and some of my novels came from that. Um, I do have two novels that I wrote that are going to stay in my hard drive or in my drawer forever before I wrote Boy Meets Boy because they just weren't ready. And, and most authors you talk to have their starter novels that you sort of needed to get the bad ones out of the way before you get to the good ones. So I have that. And then Boy Meets Boy, I really started writing as a Valentine's story for my friends, I think when I was 28 or 29. So that was when I started in earnest. But my day job is as an editor of um, YA and middle grade books. So, so I was definitely playing around with other people's words for a while and getting used to that before I started to play with my own. Do you prefer editing other people's books or writing your own? 
I mean, that's a good question. I really like both. I think that I really was an editor first and foremost. And, and if I had never written a book, I would have been very, very happy as an editor. And what's interesting is the things that I edit are wildly different from each other and from what I write. I started off working on a series called The Babysitter's Club. So I was paid to think like a 13-year-old girl and was strangely good at that. But then I'm also one of the editors for The Hunger Games, which is very different from Babysitter's Club and also very different from Hold Me Closer, The Tiny Cooper Story. But I love that. I love that you, just as a reader does, you get to dip into all different kinds of worlds and sort of play around with them. And as an editor, I can do that much more easily than as a writer because my range as an editor is much better and bigger than my range as a writer. As you edit books, do you ever find yourself taking inspiration from the author's work that you edit or authors that you read? I mean, I think that certainly. I mean, really anything that I read or work on that's great, it inspires me to push myself harder. And it's never, it never inspires me to push myself in the same direction as those authors. So if I read The Book Thief, which I love, I wasn't about to go, oh, well, I'm going to write my own Holocaust novel narrated by death. I mean, Marcus did that really well. Or Hunk Games, I'm going to write my own dystopian sort of thriller with all of this political subtext. Suzanne did that so well. It's more saying, okay, these people, you, you learn that great works come from authors really finding what they love to write about and pushing themselves really hard. And so you see that and you go, okay, I need to do that too. And so that's where it's inspiring to me. I will say the one, the one instance where my editorial work directly influenced my writing work was I, probably 10 years ago now, edited a few books that were written in poetry form, which is something that I never thought of writing as a writer. But I was so inspired by Billy Merrill and Aaron Corgan, the authors of those books, that I decided to write The Realm of Possibility, my second book in verse, which it would have never occurred to me if it wasn't for working on their books. Who was your favorite author and what was your favorite book when you were a teenager? And do you wish there was more YA fiction when you were growing up? Oh my goodness, these are the hard questions. I mean, I have so many authors I love. I think as far as pure writing, like Alice Hoffman and Francesca Leah Block, just their sentences are so wonderful. I love the writer M.T. Anderson. His novel Feed is one of my favorite novels of all time, and I love him because none of his books are ever the same. He really just takes risks with every single book, so I love that. When I was a teenager, it really... The most of YA was either sort of Sweet Valley High or it was Point Horror. And I'm not particularly a horror reader, nor am I a blonde twin sort of reader. So I did sort of jump to reading authors like Alice Hoffman or Ann Tyler when I was a teenager. So it's a very interesting paradox that as a teenager, I was reading mostly about middle-aged people. And now that I'm middle-aged, I'm basically spending my days thinking like a teenager. Um, we'll see We'll see what old age brings. But again, it, it, if I could be a teenager now, I, I would be reading YA 24-7. You could never get a book out of my hands. It's really amazing to see, especially all the things that are talked about now and written about now that in the 80s or early 90s would not have been written about or talked about. And, and the way that you can just experience so many different worlds now in books is pretty extraordinary. Your books are very diverse, and you also write about a lot of different topics. So do you prefer to write comedies, like The Tiny Coopers, mm-hmm. sorry, or Every Day, which is a lot more serious? I mean, I think 
I think it, it's interesting. I, I, I like the fact that I can do both and that I can go back and forth. I, I don't want to ever be typecast or said, oh, I know exactly what a David Levithan book sounds like. I feel that would be a failure if there was something that was so readily identifiable with my books that you just got used to it. So I try to vary it up. But usually it's the structure of the book that dictates sort of the tone. So for, for Hold Me Closer, the fact that it was going to be a musical form meant that it was going to be a certain book. Two Boys Kissing, because it was narrated by this chorus of men who had died of AIDS, that certainly led to a more elegiac tone to it. Every day, the fact that A was waking up in a different body every day meant that there was sort of this unexpected quality to it because I didn't plan it out. It was just whatever chapter, I'd be like, where is A today? And I'd run with it. So I try to make it different. I will say, though, that funny is the hardest thing to do, that that is the most intimidating because, strangely, I think it's easier to make somebody cry when they're reading the book than it is to make them laugh out loud. So when somebody tells me, as, as people have for Hold Me Closer, oh, I was on the subway reading this book and I laughed out loud, that is the ultimate compliment to me. I'm like, wow, that, that I must have done my job. Well, Grayson, Well, Grayson is a collaboration and you've collaborated with other authors before as well. So do you prefer to write alone or do you prefer to collaborate? I mean, I will say it's much more fun to collaborate because you really are sharing the experience. The other person is taking the book in unexpected places. You're just sort of on a whirlwind. When I write with John or with Rachel Cohn or Andrea Kramer, we never plot it out ahead of time. So it's very spontaneous. And I love that. So I do love that and sort of enjoy the, the lack of solitude for that. But I will say that the books that I write by myself, whether it's Every Day or Two Boys Kissing, those I couldn't write with anybody else. It's just a story that is coming so much from my own heart and mind that it would be harder to share them. So it's a different experience. It's a more challenging experience writing alone. But again, I'm lucky because I get to do both. And I, I love the balance of that, of, of sort of sharing with other people and then sort of going off to my computer and, and writing something on my own. In Will Grayson, Will Grayson, you write about how your Will Grayson views Tiny Cooper. So did you then find it difficult to write about how Tiny Cooper views Will Grayson? That's a really good question. I mean, I think it was interesting because... John and I would joke that Tiny Cooper really has two dads and was raised by two fathers, John and I. And so it was really interesting because he is the only character that you really see in both sets of chapters in Will Grayson. I already felt I had an outside viewpoint of Tiny because I also felt I was seeing him through John's Will's eyes. So I wasn't so enmeshed as opposed to a character like Mora in my Will's chapters that you never see in the other chapters. So Mora only really exists in my head, but Tiny I had to share. So when I sat down to write Tiny's book, it made it easier because it was somebody who I had viewed from the outside as well as the inside. So I didn't have to rely on my character's point of view for it, which was very, very helpful because without giving too much away, I think that Will is not very fair to Tiny in Will Grayson, Will Grayson, or my Will is not. And the viewpoint you get of, of Tiny from my Will's chapter, you really do have to add the viewpoint from John's Will's chapter to really get a sense of him as a whole. Tiny is very loud and outgoing, whereas Will Grayson is quite cynical, but they're both very funny. So how did you write them both to be funny in such different ways? Well, if, I think their humor comes from very, very different places. And for my Will... He's loud, but all on the inside. It's this internal loudness. 
which is mostly anger. I mean, and, and if you ever want to have fun writing a character, write an angry character who doesn't have that much reason to be angry, because then the way that he sees the world is going to be very funny because he's just finding humor in it, even as he's attacking it. So if Will is internally loud, then Tiny's the opposite of that. He's externally loud. You very rarely see the inside of Tiny. You see what he's projecting, and he's trying to project all of this sort of grandiose spectacularness. But there are the quieter moments where you actually get to see that inside there is a thoughtful person, that he's not trying to hide with his spectacular loudness, but he is trying to amplify it for various reasons. In Will Grayson, Will Grayson, we don't see as much of Tiny's quiet side. So was it important for you to put that into Hold Me Closer? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's now Tiny's turn to, to take the stage that because in Will Grayson, you're seeing Tiny entirely through the eyes of other people. Now that he has his own story, I want it to be that you could see the complexity of, of who he is. I mean, I think one of the interesting challenges of Hold Me Closer was you meet Tiny in Will Grayson, Will Grayson, the idea that he'd be afraid to tell anybody he's gay is laughable. I mean, he's so out there and so I am who I am. But I wanted to show that there was something underneath that, that even the most confident person still can be hesitant. And so in the first act of Hold Me Closer, there is a coming out process. It's not just a natural, oh yeah, I'm gay, so what? I thought it was really important to show that even for somebody like Tiny, there are steps that you have to take. And that is something that I don't think comes across very much in Will Grayson, Will Grayson. So, so it was important for Tiny to get his say. Thank you so much for talking to me. Yeah, thank you, Josie. This was great. For more great downloads, go to theguardian.com slash audio.